What's up, strength coaches? Welcome back to another cheeky midweeky. We got Jess Burke back by popular demand. All right, like Drake said, top five, top five, top five. You know, <laughs> still in there, cracking the top five. Jess, how is life? Um, life is good. Thank you for asking. Um, life is really good. Just training. Um, currently training in person and making my own schedule and not working. Uh, seven days a week so it's kind of a luxury Hold on, you're not working say. seven days a week and you're I know, like I don't want it I am not tough enough to do that so um, I'm just not about it like that so yeah um, it's good the so most recently you you had a post that there's been a ton of people that have reached out to you since you came on the show and you know obviously I'm not asking you to say hey who said what but like what have been kind of the themes of what people were reaching out to you about yeah, I mean, first off, I want to kind of give, you know, you props and that you have developed this community of strength coaches that is so great, so supportive. Um, I had a lot, a lot, a lot of people reach out to me after the episode saying that they liked it. Um, you know, a lot of people followed just saying that they resonated with the message uh, or. I'm sorry. What? It's like, I'm so sorry. What? I don't know if it's like helicopter uh, Friday over here, but I just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was not expecting that. It was so loud. Could you not hear that? Didn't hear a thing. Have, do you know who Nate Bergazzi is? Yeah. Did you see his stand up where he was going outside and he had the helicopters going overhead when he was in the middle of his show? No. Okay. So hopefully some of our listeners out there, they are familiar with the stand up, but it's his 2021. So it was after COVID. But like they couldn't have people convene and he's outside doing a show and he's mm -hmm. talking and like sometimes he has to stop because there's a helicopter going overhead and he's talking to this crowd like, listen, you guys don't understand. I'm facing you guys and I'm looking, trying to do my act, seeing if this helicopter. So that's the Nate Bergazzi little quote for everybody today. That is I that feels like what just happened. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, no, but. Like I said, I want to give you props, like your audience, um, the coaches in this audience are great and super supportive. And, um, you know, a lot of people kind of started following along with me and, and started sending me messages, just telling me that they appreciate, um, you know, the conversation that you and I had, um, where both of us, frankly, were really kind of open and transparent about um, strength and conditioning and, and things like that. And then there were several coaches that I had the opportunity to connect with kind of on a more personal level. Um, you know, a couple coaches that hopped on FaceTime calls with one coach. I, I spoke with her. We were on the phone for like an hour while I was, uh, you know, awesome. on a, on a layover, um, in an airport. So, um, you know, I probably had like seven or eight phone calls or FaceTimes with coaches just from this and, and them kind of wanting to talk more and, and get another perspective. So your audience is just freaking awesome. So appreciate that. So I actually had a call earlier with a strength coach who listen to this and I, I want to get your opinion on it. It is, he works at a university, but the university does not employ him or the other strength coaches. They're contracted out much like some ATs are. And he doesn't have to do any, uh, like they have a director of operations who kind of handles all the administrative stuff and then works with the athletic director. Um, and it's contracted out by, so it's Donald driver, the former NFL player mm -hmm. number 80 was fucking jacked. 
helped me win a lot of fantasy games back in the day. Anyways, his company, uh, I forget the name of it, but they're the ones that contract out the strength coaches and then they do all the other BS and then the strength coach gets to just do their job and work at the school. Do Imagine that's that. a good thing? I, I think mean, it's awesome. I think, I think it sounds awesome, right? I've never experienced that. So I don't know what the logistics are with that. I don't know how well that, that flows within an athletic department. I have no idea, right? Yeah. Um, it sounds awesome, right? I mean, just from the last sentence that you said, they just get to go there and do their job, which is like unimaginable um, for a lot of us. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like quite the life. Um, I might still be in collegiate if that was the case, that's, but you know, that's kind of what I thought. He's like, you know, I kind of deal with like the, you make some adjustments here or there, but he's like, you know, I kind of tell the operations person like, Hey, this is what we need to do. And they've been able to contract out a lot more other coaches because um, it doesn't cost the, the school as much money. And it's like, it's kind of on the business and it's like, I heard him saying all these things. Like they, they added more positions and they're adding nutrition. Like they're giving these kids it's So it's at Dell state. Um, this is all public information. It's not like I'm sharing anything that nobody yeah. isn't researching. Trade secrets. Yeah. Like, so it's at Dell state and uh, Donald driver was an athlete at an HBCU. And so that's at an HBCU trying to give them, you know, better resources and kind of more continuity. And I was like, if that was the case, I feel like that's a really good thing because when I was in Maryland, um, Loyola University, they contract out athletic trainers, but they were creating these contracted out strength, strength and conditioning jobs. And it's like, that's, I mean, it makes sense if you think about the medical model, because athletic trainers and doctors are that way. Like, I think that could be a good thing for us. I, I think that could be too. I think it just kind of brings up the question of just the the current kind of power dynamic within um, athletic departments in that, like, you know, we talked about it last time, like, is the strength coach, the CEO? Well, it's like, not only do I, you know, not work for you now, I don't even work for the same organization as you technically. Um, so I think it's easier with medical um, professionals like ATs and stuff like that, because there's a more clear scope of work and they kind of have, have the final say on a lot of things. Um, I, I'd be interested to see kind of how it works. Right. And what the dynamic is like, did the coach, like the coach that you spoke with, did he, he liked it or he, he loved it. Cause like he yeah. said, he literally has a better work-life balance now because he's not having to handle as many things. Like they kind of just administratively be like, Hey, okay, this is what you make. Like, this is your salary. You work for this company. Yes. You're contracted out. And like, you obviously have to follow by, the rules and you're still following like the, the code of conduct and the you're building the culture of Dell state or whatever school you're working for. But because there's other people contracted out through what Donald driver and his company's doing, um, it spreads the workload out. So rather than trying to, you know, get the athletes to learn the movements and get them strong and do all those things, then you're having to try to negotiate with coaches on when they're going to train versus just having, that's what the, um, director of operations does and you don't have to handle that you kind of work with that person it's like holy cow you're kind of getting to take the hats off he's like man i'll tell you the level of stress has just come off me and i can just coach the kids that's wild that's <laughs> wild that's uh, i can't just coaching the kids i can't even picture it honestly um no i mean good good for i like i hope you know i think i think we're gonna see a bunch of little um 
like changes in direction of, of the way that athletic departments are, are managing um, their support staff. I think there's going to be a lot of different. Uh... Taking a quick break from the show to tell you about our deal we have going on right now in December. If you sign up for fundamentals level one, you will get one free year at strength coach network. That's right. Sign up for fundamentals, our 20 hour long form education course that has information on every topic in strength and conditioning that will make you a better strength coach, regardless of the field that you're in. Not only if you're a strength coach, personal trainer, athletic trainer, physio, this is for you because all the education about progressions, regressions, motor learning, speed, agility, jumps, you name it, we have information in it. So sign up for Fundamentals, get a free year at Strength Coach Network. Click the link down below. Let's get back to the show. Kind of organizational structures going on because hopefully we're realizing that as it is now, it's not sustainable for a lot of people and a lot of people aren't enjoying it. Um, you know, I was kind of speaking with, um, a, a, one of my former sport coaches, um, and she was, she was on board. She wanted to kind of employ a strength coach as, as part of her coaching staff. Right. So instead of, you know, it being in a separate department, she wanted a strength coach on her staff, right. To be her assistant, which obviously is a completely different dynamic. You have to have a good relationship with that coach and you have to see eye to eye on a lot of things. Right. Um, but if you do like another thing that could be cool because you're not operating within a department, I think, you know, facilities would be a hurdle that you'd run into there, but I mean, everything is manageable, figure outable. Right. So yeah, a hundred percent. And when you almost do that though, it's like, you kind of know, it's like a relationship and it's not fully, but it's like, look, I know that I'm tied to you and like our success is your success because a lot of times coaches will be like, Hey, the offensive coordinator just wants to score points. If they don't win, they can be like, Hey, the defensive coordinator sucks. Head coach just wants to win games. And it's like, when I was at Iowa, we knew like, fuck, we, okay. We went to this big 10 championship game. It's like, Hey, we're all going to get raises. Cool. Mm -hmm. If we don't win, we're going to lose. Cool. But we knew what we were getting into versus a lot of these situations where, you know, something like me working at, at Towson where you, you're not really tied, but you're tied in terms of you can get fired where like, that's, that's what I think coaches just don't like. And that's why I think what is at Dell state, it's just very clear in terms of these are the measurable KPIs and this is how, you know, you're progressing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it is, I, you know, now that I say that it is very much that way in football and then, I mean, basketball is usually like some hybrid model, you know, you usually have a basketball team and then you have like golf right or some you know something like that that's a little bit um lower hours per week um but those people are often people that not necessarily are brought in by the head coaching staff but are often you know really hand selected by them you know um out of the department or externally so i don't know maybe some sports shift that way who knows what has been some of the questions that were people asking you questions about like, Hey, how to price things in terms of when they're getting hired and doing their own thing, because that's something that I'm starting to get asked more and more of and see people trying to figure out like, how can they figure out a price to offer their services? Um, Especially now that coaches can do some of the stuff with team builders, newest function that they just released. Like they're starting to figure out like, Oh shoot, I can like make some side income. Like you said, I got all this extra time. Like I might as well program, especially if I'm on the road. Yeah. Um, no, uh, honestly. So I didn't, we, I didn't really talk like shop in terms of like expanding your business outside of collegiate 
um, with anyone uh, who, who kind of reached out to me. Um, the general direction of the conversation was very much, you know, like to be completely candid, like I, and like I said, I'm not gonna name names or anything. Um, but I had this girl, uh, this, you know, female coach, um, and I ended up FaceTiming with her for a little bit and, um, you could tell she had never felt comfortable, like talking about, coaching and how difficult it is, right? And how much, you know, how much she was struggling with in her own department and how kind of alone she felt and how she didn't really feel supported. And, um, you know, the undertone of that conversation was very vulnerable and like very emotional, right? I think her and I both ended up like crying during the conversation because I think it was, I think it was validating to her. Like you could tell this was stuff that she'd never said out loud before. Um, so I think why, where I expected a lot of people to be like, Hey, like, how do you make money? Because I am making none in collegiate, you know, what, how help. Um, I very much expected that it was more like, Hey, nobody's talking about this. Can I talk about this with you? Which absolutely, you know, I'm here to talk and be a sounding board. Um, but it was just a lot of like relief and vulnerable conversation. Honestly, nothing about business ever came up with pretty much anybody. (laughs) So that actually makes me, without diving into too much of the details of it with her, was she saying that because she was the only female on staff? And that makes me, my second question is, is, you know, when my wife and I were talking about when we hired um, our next, our second assistant, Kate on staff, Kate was now the second female on staff with Courtney. And my wife was like, look, I bet you you're going to see not only, uh, you know, Kate obviously enjoy life, but like Courtney, you're probably going to see her where she's now not the only female anymore. How do you handle that as a assistant, a department head? Like, is that important? Like, what is the the impact and the value of it from my perspective, a 36 year old man that doesn't know what it's like? So she was not the only female on staff, um, which I think is a good thing. I think that you know, in these departments, in smaller departments, it's harder, right, to have, you know, more representation from everyone. And and we see more women in the field year after year. Um, But in these bigger departments, I I think it's huge. I think it's important um, to have, you know, somebody else. I think that, um, you know, a lot of her struggle came from not that she was feeling isolated as a woman, but I think there's a pressure, especially as a woman in this field, you are really reluctant to admit weakness or admit that you're tired or admit that, you know, somehow you can't handle this because you know, that's the underlying thought in some people's heads already. Right. So it's almost this, um, really performative, like, I'm fine. Uh, you know, I'm hard as nails. I can handle it. Like, don't worry about me. That definitely you could tell was eating away at her over time. Right. Because you can't, um, you can't go into your office. Like I could, and the guys that I worked at Penn state with were great, but I couldn't go into my office and shut the door and look at all three of them and just start crying. And I'd be like, this is really hard. Am I right? Like I could never do that. (laughs) Um, I came close. Uh, I definitely came close and I think they would have been great. Right. But I, you know, I, 
that would never be something that me as a female in a male dominated profession, like I'm not crying in the weight room, right? I'm not, we're doing that in the car, like an adult, right? So, so just kind of, you know, I think, I think she was tired. I think it's, I think it's fatiguing. So I think you asked a great question. How do you support that as, you know, even another coach, an assistant, a director, a department head, how do you do that? Um, And I think it takes time and it takes, um, you know, intention. But what I want to remind people is that we're all coaches. Our job at its core is to connect with people and communicate ideas and educate, right? And you need to be able to do that with your coworkers as well. And I think the more that we have these conversations about the fact that it is just, it's fucking hard. It's a hard profession. And nobody that I've talked to has, you know, um, has argued with that fact. I think the more that we talk about it, the more that we're open about it, the more that we feel comfortable, uh, you know, coming into the office and being like this season beat the absolute shit out of me. Um, you know, the, the more comfortable people get, um, you know, saying those things. And I've been spoiled. I've had some great departments that, um, you know, have been really supportive, but I've also worked in departments where it's like, you don't show your hand ever. You know, if you're tired, you act like you're not. Um, and I'm sure you can relate, right? Oh yeah. Cause that was actually what I was getting, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, I was like, you know what, there's been times where me personally being, okay, you're a bald headed, bearded, 250 pound, six foot three, former offensive lineman. Like you can't show that you're tired or like, Hey, this season beat the crap out of me because you know, there's been times where like, I've had to, it's actually been nice to have a female assistant working in a male dominated sport where I could be like, Hey Kate, like who man, this, or she's like, are you good? Like somebody to check in on you. And that like, I didn't know where I was going to go with it, but I wanted to like make that comment and bring it up for any of our male listeners out there too, because it is like, it can be a grind on you, especially if you do put your heart and soul in it, regardless of whatever sport you work with, whatever field, if you want to be good, you got to put time and effort and energy. Well, and yeah. And I mean, I, you know, it may shock you that I'm, you know, quite a, a, a feminist myself. So I'm not like a traditional, you know, gender roles person as, you know, shocking as that may seem. But there is a lot to be said for just like the emotional intuitiveness of like women in general. And I found myself doing that same thing, right? I would walk into the room and one of my, you know, male um, coworkers would just be kind of dragging. And I'd be like, Hey man, like, are you good? And he'd be like, no, like actually like this week is like really hard, man. And like my wife's, you know, out of town, you know, and it's like, it's okay to have those conversations at work because I mean, if we're going to live there, we can't pretend like, you know, that's, it's not hard sometimes. Um, so I love that you made that point. I think it can, I think more females in, in departments can, can make a little bit more comfortable of a space for sure. Yeah. And I think it's also important too, just to be able to like for the athletes to see somebody that looks like them doing what they want to do and how empowering that is like being able to see like when Kate being a power lifter and they're like, Oh, we're like, you're strong. Or like when Courtney was an intern and I took her outside cause she didn't understand the, the outdoor field stuff at all. And like something as simple as when she learned how to do dribbles or boom, booms. And like, she's explaining the drill and then does it like, 
guy or girl, it's just the ability to show what you're trying to get the athlete to do. But when you are the same person doing it, it gives them, it's like, Oh word. Like I want to be like coach Kate, or I want to be, if I'm a guy, Hey, I want to be like coach Justin. Like it does just help that athlete with that connection. Cause like you said, we're working with people and we're connecting with people. Quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button. So that way you get notifications of when more content like this gets released. So Click that like and subscribe button. And with that, let's get back to the show. People. Yeah, representation is huge. And I think um, I think we we underestimate that sometimes, especially in athletic organizations. And, um, you know, when I left Penn State, I think that the most um, impactful kind of messages that came from athletes uh, that I was working with, they're kind of centered around that, you know, there was a athlete on the lacrosse team that wanted, she's a kinesiology student, and she wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach. And, um, you know, I'm glad that she waited a little bit, because she knew I was going to be a huge sap. But she waited about a week after I left, and she sent me this really nice text. And she's like, you know, it's hard to imagine yourself in a field that doesn't have anybody like you in it. And she's like, and I got here and, you know, you carried yourself well, you were in a male dominated profession, like you were strong. Um, and, and you were, you, you handled it well. And she's like, and it made it easier, you know, for me to see myself in a role like that. Um, so I think that's huge. And I think, you know, that translates to life because we are preparing athletes for life. Um, we have to remember that we are coaching quite legitimately a game. Um, and for most of them, this is the last time that they will do that. And they won't do that with the rest of their life and their people. And they have other things that they're allowed to be good at and do and explore. Um, but also, you know, that we're, we're preparing them for that, that next phase. So I think the representation piece of it is, is huge, right? How about in terms of working with the gen pop, the, you know, clients, personal, personal training side of it now for you. And then anybody else that is listening to this, does that, is it difficult to, to cross and work with, okay, you're a female person, private personal trainer, whatever the terminology, please don't. Yeah. I, I don't, don't, yeah, I, I don't care. Um, so I, well, cause like even strength coaches, they get mad. It's like, I'm a sports performance. Co-. I'm like, for the I love just, of God, you understand what I'm trying to fucking say. I got um, you like difficulty, you know, trying to, to bridge that gap where it's like, Oh, I, I want somebody that, you know, is a female that works with me. Like what would be your advice in terms of how to niche down and start growing your personal training group of people that you have now, anybody that's listening? Um, so I think the important thing to find, and this is something that I struggled with a little bit when I left is not necessarily who you want to work with, because I think that, we we all have this idea of that in our mind. Obviously, we want driven people. We want we're used to athletes. We want people who can afford to pay for you know that's what, what was, we're doing. That's my first thought, that I- <laughs> right? We want people with money. We want you know so that's a certain age group, usually a certain kind of demographic. We love a former athlete. We love um, you know somebody who's self motivated. We want somebody that's as you know easy to coach as as possible because right? That's, that's the dream, right? Somebody who wants to be doing this. Um, and so when I first started out, I really marketed really heavily to a former athlete, right? And I didn't have, there's nothing wrong with that. And I work with a lot of former athletes, but I didn't have the messaging that was really kind of hitting with 
um, the, you know, my ideal, my ideal client, I wasn't getting the clients that I wanted. So when I got out of collegiate, I had to explore why I really enjoyed coaching collegiate, the things that I really, really enjoyed doing, because I don't care how woo woo it sounds. Those are the things that you're going to make money at, right? The things that give you energy, like for you, you love working with other coaches and educating other coaches and having these conversations, right? Um, and for me, I figured out that the reason that I love coaching in general is because I had the power to change how women view themselves, right? Period. Full stop. Um, you know, with athletes, that is, I had the power to kind of change how they feel about their bodies as a whole, how they feel about performance, right? How they feel about getting strong versus getting skinnier. Um, and once I started exploring that into in general population, I started attracting the type of client that I wanted to work with, not only in person, but also online. So for me, you know, the to make a, a long answer short, it's you have to you have to bridge that gap. The way that you bridge that gap is you find the common ground between the two of those. Right. I love working with women you know, in person now, now I'm in DC and I, I work at a high-end gym and I love working with women who are tired of shrinking themselves, who are tired of seeing themselves in a certain way. I love working with women who are open to, um, you know, kind of shifting the way that they, they feel about their body and how it looks and how it performs. Um, and so that's what I would encourage people to do, right? Peel back all of the layers and say, why do I even love coaching? And if it's because you love a sport or you love working with kids, then that's what you should be doing. Um, but for me, I found that I could kind of do this at all age levels, right? But it's because I love, um, you know, helping girls and women shift the way that they see themselves. Um, and that has brought me, you know, more money in the past several months than, you know, any version of advertising that I've put out on my online business for wanting to work with former athletes just because they're athletes. Right. Um, so yeah, I hope that kind of answered the the question that you were, you were asking. No, it does. And <clears throat> I had a lot of questions that came up. That's why I'm kind of mm -hmm, mumbling, mm -hmm. mumbling as I'm listening to you talk. No, good. Um, so as you were, you know, continuing to do that, and our coaches listening to that, they're going to be like, okay, you started talking about marketing. Like, do you have a website? Um, how do you handle those first two things before I, I dive into the rest of the other things that I wrote down? Uh, just in terms of marketing? Yeah. Like, did, how did, like, for, okay. So our strength coaches that are listening, they're like, Hey, I like what she's saying. How do I start like dipping my toe in that? How do I start looking into who to market? How do I, do I need to get a website? What did you do? Um, you don't need to get a website. Um, I think that there are a lot of um, kind of conflicting ideologies about what you need to start a business and strength and conditioning. And a lot of those ideologies are perpetuated by people who want you to use their code to get Kajabi so you could build an online course or who want you to use their Squarespace code or who want you to get Flowdesk so you could get an email list or who want you to do all of these, you know, things that frankly at the base level are unnecessary for, you know, your business starting out. Um, social media presence is huge. And the one thing that I will say to coaches, because I see it all the time and I think it is the number one mistake, you need to start making content that your ideal client wants to consume, right? There are so many coaches that will ask me to kind of look at their profile or look at their Instagram or look at this. And they're like, I put out all this good content. 
Um, but you know, I'm not getting any private training clients. And then I go, you know, to their, um, Instagram page. And then I see this reel that's about the intricacies of the gate cycle. And I'm like, well, who the hell do you want to train? I don't like who gives a shit about it. I also don't. And I'm a coach. Right. And so, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with making content for other coaches. Right. That's literally what you do. Right. You do that. Um, but you're not looking for them to pay you, um, to train them. Right. So if you're looking for somebody to pay you for training, you have to think, okay, what does this person want? Um, and how can I make content that appeals to them? Right. Um, so I would say that's the number one thing is start thinking about, you know, content you can make that will communicate with your ideal audience. And I get pushback on this and people are like, well, how am I supposed to know? And I'm like, well, if you can't do that, then you probably can't coach them. Right. And just to be completely frank, right. If you don't know what they really want, you're not going to be an effective coach and you're not going to make sales either. Um, so for me, I used to make a bunch of content that was super irrelevant, um, to literally anything I want to do. And I was wondering why, you know, and I How think it's I'm a, not making more money. I just, why am I poor? Um, and it's because my content was just all over the place. Right. And now I have a little bit more freedom because I have, you know, not a big audience by any means, but I have a really, I've cultivated an audience that is pretty loyal and they share my stuff and they, you know, refer me to people and things like that. So now I have a little bit more freedom, but for a while I was creating content for um, people who just maybe like didn't want to count macros for the rest of their life or like didn't want to weigh all their food or like wanted to work out a reasonable amount of times per week, you know, and it sounds stupid um, at face value. But when you look at diet culture, that's really counterintuitive to a lot of the other content you see where you go on the other side of Instagram and, you know, women are weighing everything that they put on their plate and, um, you know, these have these ridiculous, like bodybuilding split six day a week workouts and these ridiculous cardio routines and things like that. So you just need to start creating content that will appeal to your ideal client, whatever that is. Within that, and you talk about women uh, and handling the the overly skinny fit culture nowadays, any guy listeners out there that might be personal trainers, they're like, what would you say to them to get, to help the, the counterculture of like, everybody's fucking roided out and shredded. And it's like, I'm like your alpha thing, like almost it, it, the same yeah. term of that. It's like, oh, you know, have your shirt off, man. And like, you, everything's got to be fucking organic. Like that's probably the the opposite of bro, like bro science right now. Like yeah. you're, you're fighting women selling booty building programs for $200 and we're almost fighting like, Hey, build your six pack right now in these eight minutes. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing that you like, you have to realize is that's the loudest message, but it doesn't mean that it's the one that everybody wants to listen to. Ooh, right. Point. So it's everywhere, but I know so many, you know, I actually have like, probably just as many male clients in person as I do female clients right now. Um, and I love, you know, working with male clients. Um, a lot of my male clients are so much fun and they work really hard and a lot of them move really well. Um, but if I told a single one of them to weigh their food or to, you know, do an ab exercise, cause it would give them a six pack. They would just be like, just go fuck yourself. Like they have, they will not hold back whatsoever because that's not the life that they want to live. And they've been clear about that. 
they'll sit down with me in a consultation and they'll be like, I want to get a little bit stronger. I want to put on a little bit of muscle. Uh, I just don't want to be a fat piece of shit, you know, like, and that's, and that's it. And that's like the bar for pretty much 90% of people, you know, they want something that they can maintain. They want to look a little bit better. Um, and now people will even come into consultations and say to me, I don't want to do like the chicken broccoli thing. Like, I don't want to do like the bodybuilding thing. Like, I don't want to be all like hulked out, shredded up. Like, that's not my vibe. You know what I mean? So it's like the more, even though that, like I said, the loudest message is like, Hey, shredded, you know, supplements, chicken, all organic, like you're talking about. Um, most people realize that that's not the life that they want to live. Um, so I think we need to stop pretending that that's what everybody wants to be. Um, (laughs) because it's, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Right. Um, and I think, I think it's bad on the, the male side, but I think it's even worse on, on the female side. I think we've just taken it and and ran with it. So what's up strength coaches want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about our sponsor team builder team builder is your one-stop shop for online training platform needs as a coach with team builder. You're going to be able to program for your athletes, whether they're in person or remote. Using Team Builder, not only will you be able to program for your athletes, but there are special features such as the leaderboard and locking training with wellness questionnaires. With the leaderboard, you can have an exercise performed that day, whether it be a lift, a sprint, or a jump, and scores can be updated in real time and projected on a TV in the training. Wellness questionnaires can be used at the beginning of training, and your athletes will have to fill them out prior to being able to train. This ensures that as a coach, you're being able to collect quality data before the athletes train. So, if you're interested in Team Builder, click the link down below and find out more information let's get back to the show what would you say to um you know the fact that like you were just saying like okay hey they just want to do these certain things like there really is that lower hanging fruit for the gen pop than we might realize because like if we're getting out of working with college athletes it's like you gotta fucking sleep and you gotta do and it's just like you know what man yeah like let's just get you training a little bit and like let's build these foundational habits and i'll never forget one of my neighbors um, at my old place in Maryland, she was like, listen, I had to just start realizing that if I could do 10 pushups a day, I, I like that was a habit. And then like, she could start building from there. But I was just like, Pratik Patel said it too. When he was on the show, he's like, listen, you don't have to get everybody as dialed in as maybe you did when you were working with damn near professional athletes for you at Michigan and me at Iowa. Like it's, it is different. How did you handle that slowing down in your mind? Um, I think that was a bigger, Um, I, I think that was something I had to handle not only working with clients, but even coaching myself. And I don't know if anybody else has dealt with this. Um, but there is, I think this crazy expectation that, you know, strength coaches are like in great shape and a lot of them I know are right. But it doesn't take six workouts a week and a perfect diet to keep somebody in general population looking and moving really well. Right. Um, and, and looking amazing. It, it doesn't take that. So I had to complete that transition within myself, which took a lot of work in terms of not listening to the, you know, six day a week bodybuilding split, chicken, rice, broccoli, um, you know, mumbo jumbo, but it also took me flipping that switch in my mind and, and being like, you know, I was working with the top 2%, right? And now I'm working with 
the 98% below that. And all they want to do is live a better life than they're living now. And with the side effect of, of looking a little bit better. So I think for me, it was kind of tempering my, my expectations in terms of what actually can I ask these people to do? You know, what realistically can I do working 50, 60, 70 hours a week? Um, and what are these people doing now? And how do we just kind of get the ball rolling, right? Start pushing it down the road. So for me, um, you know, I created a lot of really basic workout templates that um, I think a lot of my clients were surprised by, because I think what you're saying is actually pretty uncommon in the fitness industry. You know, most of my clients that, that come to me online, I start them out at three days a week, maybe 35 to 45 minutes at most um, in the gym. And that includes warm up and cool down. Um, because if you can do that for a month, you're going to see progress. And then if you can do that for a month and say, Hey, I think I got another day in me, like 100%, we can go there. Um, but I think I also know some strength coaches who get gen pop clients and they drive them into the ground because they treat them like they're almost professional athletes. Right. And I'm like, homegirl does not need to do legs for an hour and 45 minutes. You know, we like, she, you're going to kill her. Um, so yeah, I think, I think like it, it takes adjustment. It's a different craft, right? It's a completely different craft. Um, so <clears throat> how do you, you talked about, um, having a really nice place that you work at in the gym for anybody that's listening. They're like, okay, how did you negotiate, um, percentage rent gym split? Like, and again, I'm not asking you for specific details, but from a 10,000 foot view, like what are some things that you would advise any of our listeners? I mean, I work for a corporate gym, so all of that stuff was preset. I was fortunate in that, um, you know, I, I got on board and I was really um, kind of tenacious um, because, like, I wanted clients. I wanted to train. I wanted to coach. That's what I do. Um, and I built my business really, really quickly. And um, I that's one of the benefits about being at a corporate gym is you have leads, right? You have kind of people handed to you that you can take through consultations that you can take through workouts. Um, and I was moving to a new area. So I knew that that was going to be something that was going to serve me really well. Um, you don't move to a new area, no zero people and rent out a warehouse and expect, you know, like kids to just show up, uh, at your door. Right. Um, some people do actually, some people do do That's that. That's why I've I'm heard, laughing. Cause I know I've they heard, have. I've heard that story a few times. Like I want to live here and I want to do this. It's like, and this is my area, business. Yeah. I'm it's like, like, does the area want that? Uh, we don't know. Um, but the nice thing is, is, you know, that's, that's always been something that's, that's on my radar is, you know, doing that down the road, but I knew I needed to get a feel for the area, needed to get a feel for the clientele, needed to connect myself. So a corporate gym was the way to go. Um, and like I said, I've been very fortunate to build my business really quickly. And I work for a gym that compensates me really, really well. Um, and I, um, you know, I, it is possible to make, you know, two, three times what you're making in collegiate working elsewhere and having work-life balance. Um, had I gone a different route, which like I said, I think you need a network to do, even if you're renting space at a gym. Um, I think people don't think about client retention. They don't think about turnover. They don't think about people leaving during the holidays because they want to save money. They don't think about clients traveling. So they get really gung-ho and they decide to 
rent out training space in a gym and, and they just don't have the clientele for it. Right. Um, I think if you're looking to do that, your best bet is a smaller kind of like a warehouse gym. That's not, you know, um, owned by someone who's franchising gyms or someone who owns a bunch of things, because usually these people, um, are really happy to have qualified trainers, you know, representing their gym. They're happy to have you bringing possibly additional members into the gym. It's profitable for them. Um, and they obviously get a cut of your training. Um, I think if you're going that route, just because you have to bring the leads in, I think you should, um, you know, ideally be making between 60 to 75% of, of what you're charging. Um, you have to remember that this is somebody else's space. This is somebody else's equipment. There's a lot of overhead that goes into it. Um, so, you know, when I work with somebody at a third party facility and I'm charging 120, $140 an hour, um, you know, I, you can't be expected to keep all of that, right. At some places you only keep half of that. Um, and you know, if you have a problem with it, I say, go build your own gym, I guess. I don't know. You know, so. Speaking of build your own gym, is that, you know, like when you look at yourself in the next one, three, five years, is that the plan for you? Do you want to take over a gym? Like, what do you want to do? Um, that's such a good question. Wow. Um, (laughs) wow. Should ask it myself. (laughs) Wow. Goodness. Um, you know, mm, uh, I, I don't know. And I think that's okay. Um, I would like to have something that's my own. I've always been really like entrepreneurial in nature. Right. Um, and I would like to have something that's more of a facility rather than like a gym, um, you know, like, um, turf and sports performance and, and things like that. Um, but I, you know, don't, like I'm learning the market here um, and I'm not just going to create something because I want to create it. I want to create something that's going to serve the population that I want to serve. Right. Um, so I think I'm taking a couple of years to learn the market here, working with some, you know, lacrosse athletes and, and doing private lessons and doing skill training and, and seeing kind of where, um, where that, that takes me. Um, DC is expensive. So, you know, I'm not just going to break ground, uh, and, you know, build a mega gym, um, anytime in the next six months. Um, but you know, I, I think that down the road, absolutely. I would, I would love to have my own space and, and have my own team of coaches. So speaking of breaking ground and doing that, <clears throat> are these programs, gym launch, gym con, Um, you know, I see them pop up on my social media. Are these things good, bad for personal trainers, strength coaches, in your opinion, like, and for anybody that doesn't know it, if you know it better than I do, can you elaborate on what those things are? Um, I, I don't, I don't know what I, I was literally like, am I missing some revolutionary or do I just not know the names of these things? What? Yeah. What is so there are these companies that help gym owners, you know, grow and expand because oh. they understand like finances more. Right? Okay. And so like Alex Hormozzi, he started a company called Gym Launch and mm-hmm. they come in and they help these gym owners understand, you know, different, maybe P&L, they, different terminology and how to grow and expand their, um, their space. And the reason that I was asking that is it's like, okay, if you're bringing in a bunch of gen pop people that maybe they're just like, Hey, yeah, I want to go and okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to train with this person and they're going to make me better. But 
just like an athlete, if you're only with them 20, 20 or one, but then the 23 hours out of the day, like, is it good to be bringing in all these flooded people that might not be motivated? And I know we just talked about the fact that, yeah, there's a lower, you know, lower hanging fruit for them, but is it good to be bringing in people into an ecosystem like that, where you, the trainer are training people that like, frankly, you want it more than they do. Okay. So I'm having maybe it's Friday. I Uh, fucking talk a lot and it's a lot of what happens in my head. I don't spit it out very well. Like Kate and Logan and my other assistants, they're like, he's got Lima brain right now. And that's, what's going on. Like I don't express it well. What's coming in my head. That's fine. Um, I was okay. So I was, and I think I was also thinking while you were talking and that's my B, um, 100%. So, (laughs) I, so I, so the, the, you're, the first kind of thing that you were talking about was this, like, are, these are almost like teams of professionals that have opened gyms that come hey, to we'll you help you get and more they... leads and we're going to get more members into your gym is essentially okay. what they're saying. Okay. So it's a lot of like lead generation, things lead like that. Lead generation and bringing more and more members into the gym to grow the gym. But then for you, the trainer, if you're getting more and more leads of people that are not good quality leads, is that good? Is it bad? I think... I think I feel a couple different ways about this, right? I think it's a great, um, I think conceptually this is great because I think there's this really common misconception that if you know how to, if you're an expert at something, people will find you. Um, And that's not true. Um, I can't just stand outside and be like, I'm a trainer. Jess Burke's ready to trade. Just like Coach, me. I'm like, listen, I don't work death. at Towson. I don't work at Towson anymore. People are just going to come flying People to me with money. He's got a PhD. Come train with it. Like I'm going to go train with him. They're going to track me down. They in fact will not. Um, <laughs> and they won't. And so I think that conceptually, this is a great way to kind of get the word out. But like I said, I think this is a solution for somebody who doesn't understand their market very well. And I also think that if you can't generate your own leads, there are going to be other pitfalls in your business building um, that you're not prepared for, right? I don't need a lot of people who are experts in all things business and have no idea how to generate their own leads, how to get people in the door, um, you know, things like that. So if you, and, and I'm sure what these guys are doing is great because like Hormozy is super smart guy, right? Like business wizard has built, you know, um, truly an empire. Right. Um, but you know, I don't think what these guys are doing is, is anything that's groundbreaking conceptually. Right. Um, if you are looking to do something, if you're looking to open a gym, like you need to be an integral part of the community. You need to be out there. People need to know who you are. You need to be hosting free events. You need to be doing workshops. You need to be partnering with businesses. You need to be going to apartment complexes and asking if you can put up flyers. You know, you need to be offering trial memberships. You need to be offering complimentary training sessions. Um, and these are things that, you could pay somebody to do and, you know, run the risk of generating a lot of low quality leads that have put their email into an email funnel um, and don't really give a shit about you or your business. Right. Um, <laughs> or you can kind of hit the ground and, and do some marketing and do some things that maybe you think you're too good for. Right. Like I don't, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm still 
you know, I'll overhear people talking about like their kids playing a sport at a coffee shop. And I'm like, Hey, by the way, like, you know, um, you know, I overheard what you were talking about. I do like sports performance training, like blah, blah, blah. And you would be surprised how connected the, um, you know, the community is even in a larger place here, like DC, where people are like, Oh my gosh, my, you know, sister, my niece plays lacrosse at this high school and she wants private lessons and she's trying to make varsity. You know what I mean? Um, so if you're not willing to put yourself out there, I don't think that, you know, you maybe, maybe you also don't have the skill set to capitalize on these leads, uh, when you get the emails, when you get the phone number, you know, things like that. Um, but conceptually, I think, I think it's good because I think this is something people struggle with. Um, so I'd be interested to see like what the kind of premise is behind that, you know? Yeah. And how about like, um, CrossFit, you think CrossFit is good for the private sector of strength and conditioning or even collegiate strength and conditioning? Like, are you getting people that are like, Hey, I want to do my wad or like, what's your thoughts on that? I think that it is easy to put on like a judgment cap when you have been in the industry a long time. And when you have a high level of knowledge and, you know, like strength coaches do, I think it's really easy. Um, but I also think it's easy to just shut the hell up and let people do what they want to do and let people do what they enjoy. Right. So I don't do CrossFit because I'm old and, uh, it would ruin me. me. It would, it, I move like I'm 73. It would ruin me. It would absolutely, I would like, you'd have to put me down afterwards. And, I, so I don't do it. Right. But I know people who that's the way they get out of the house and go to the gym three times a week. So who am I to shit on that? Because I don't agree with the methodology. There are plenty of things I don't agree with on earth that exist every day. And I'm perfectly fine letting them exist. Right. And it's just, it's like as easy as that. Right. When I have people that come to me who do, and I'm not likening the two, so I don't want any confusion here that do CrossFit or that do like a group fitness that's high impact, high intensity. So like an orange theory or something like that. I do have people that come to me, um, you know, at the gym that I'm at now and, and say that they've done things like that and they haven't seen results or, you know, like kind of like the boot camp, like the orange theory F45, things like that, right. That may be a little bit higher impact. The goal is to burn calories and move and, you know, whatever. Um, that come to me and they ask my honest opinion because either they weren't necessarily seeing results or, you know, they're experiencing some sort of chronic or lingering injury or pain. Um, And then I share my opinion that like, Hey, that stuff isn't for everybody and it is high impact. And anytime you're in a group setting and you're doing, you know, these ballistic high intensity, high speed movements um, you know, you're not being watched by anybody. And, and there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of kind of danger in that and a lot of damage that can be done over time. Um, but you know, bottom line, if that's how somebody gets their body moving two or three times a week, it would be pretty shitty of me to tell them that they were an idiot for that. Right. Um, like that's not, that's not kind. Right. Um, so is it my cup of tea? No. Um, am I ever going to make somebody feel bad because of their modality of exercise? Also no. Right. Last question within this kind of series of questions about the you know private sector and industry. How would you how would you rebuttal in that kind way? Because that is something important for our listeners to understand. You know, even for me, like learning to to not be just the psychopath. Like that's fucking stupid. Like because 
Trust me, that's that's come out of my here. mouth at least five hundred thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> How do you handle the strength coach that tells you, like, well, Jess, like, I just don't like sales. I don't want to do sales. Like, how do you handle that notion of anybody that wants to get out of uh, collegiate, but they're nervous about going into the private sector? Well, the first question I ask is, is what is, what is sales? What do you think sales is? What don't you like about sales? And usually people say, well, I don't want to be pushy. Um, and then I remind them that every sales call I've ever been on is because somebody has reached out to me because they have a problem and I can fix it, right? Sales for me is helping people solve the problems that cause them the most pain, right? So I have people that have injuries that they can't get rid of. I have people that really don't like the way they look. They can't look in the mirror. I have people that, you know, have no control around food. I have people that have a really bad relationship with both food and exercise. I have people that are just kind of crippled by analysis paralysis because there's so much information out there. And I know that I can take them from having this problem to not having this problem, right? And I'm confident in that. And since I have viewed sales as helping people solve the problems that, you know, bother them the most, that hurt them the most, it's been really, really easy because I never go into a call with how can I close this so I can make money? I go into a call and I think, like, wouldn't it be cool if this person came to me and they were in so much pain, mental, physical, whatever. And then after six months, like their life was 20 times better. Like that'd be so fucking cool. Right. Um, so, you know, that's twofold. If you're going into this and you're selling because you want money, um, I would encourage you to choose a different industry, right? Maybe like sell roofs or, you know, something that people need to buy that they will pay $50,000 for. Um, but if you're going into this industry for the right reasons, because you like connecting with people and you want to help them, then sales is you talking about how much you care about that person and how much you can get them out of the situation that they're currently in. I mean, that's, that's a, a very much of a mic drop moment in my opinion. How have you been able to transition from the outside looking like you're, you know, you've, you've landed on your feet, whatever terminology you want to use, but working in college and having so much of your identity because you loved coaching and you've talked about that, but your identity shifting to now this different world and being able to handle it so gracefully, elegantly, whatever way you want to call it. How have you been able to do that? And how do you recommend anybody of our listeners that are going through a similar change because right now it's friday december 1st it's black friday a lot of coaches or black monday was earlier in the week coaches are going through changes how do you recommend coaches do things in a, in a way that you've been able to um i i i love this comment right i love this like compliment you've given me that i've handled it with grace and um i just would like to be fully transparent and say that there are a lot of moments in which like I haven't, right? I think you're completely right. Um, and this is something that I've, I've struggled with just mentally and emotionally over the last several months is so much of my identity was being a coach and so much of my identity was working with athletes. And um, I, the trajectory of my career within collegiate was so, um, it was it was quick. Like everything happened so quickly. And, you know, from me deciding I was going to do this to graduating with my master's to being at Michigan, at Purdue, at Penn State, you know, realistically in, in my dream job. And um, 
I never envisioned that I would have gotten where I got when I started this. And that was something that took so, so long to grieve, right? Um, I never imagined I would walk away from something that I thought I was going to do for my entire life. Um, and that was, you know, since the day I decided I was going to be a strength coach, that was all I could envision was doing that. So the last six months, I, I don't want anybody to get the misconception that it's easy, um, or get the misconception that this wasn't the hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, I think that the people around me can attest to the fact that, you know, the first, um, the first month or so it was, it was relief because, you know, there were, while my department was great, there were just a couple really toxic situations, um, in the workplace that were eating at me. And it was like that relief of, of not having to be in that every day. Right. And then, you know, after that kind of set in and I was like, this is my life now and I'm not coaching. Um, it, it was a lot, right. I, um, I probably, (laughs) probably have cried more days than I have not, um, since leaving. Um, and that's, I mean, most of that is like, I fucking miss the kids, man. Um, you know, like these kids and they'll like send me pictures of them, you know, and they'll be like, we miss you. You know, I'll always get the random text at the worst time. I was like out to dinner with my friends the other night. I get like, you know, a picture of, I was sobbing, dude. It was like four of my gymnasts and three of my male golfers. And they're like, we miss you. And I'm just like, these fucking kids, you know, like, these are my fucking babies. I know. And everyone around me is like drinking high noons and shooting tequila. And they're like, can you grow up? And I'm like, um, so it's like, it's, it's tough. I, I don't want anyone to get the misconception that it's not tough. Um, but kind of what I talked to you earlier about was, you know, you, so you can't, you need to realize you can't do this for the kids forever. Right. And I think right. some of us do, and I could, I could get freaking suckered into it because yeah. I like by one kid, all it takes yes. is one kid. I had this yep. fifth year kid and she told me, she was like, I'm coming back for a fifth year. And if you leave, I don't want to be here. And I was like, well, I guess I'm, I got, we're here. Like I'm fucking here. Ha, we're here together. You know what I mean? All it takes is like the, like, and they, these, they have no idea, right. How much we care about them. You can't do this for the kids forever. You have to do it for yourself. And in that transition, you have to realize that you're making the decision that's best for yourself, which might be staying. Um, but for me, it wasn't. And then doing what we talked about earlier in connecting my purpose with coaching um, athletes to doing something outside of that. And it, for me, it still is coaching and it's still working with people in the same realm, but it, it doesn't have to be that, right? Why do you love to coach? Um, that's the first question that you have to ask yourself. And it's because you like the logo and you, you know, you like the $800 worth of free gear every year and you like working 90 hours a week, then you got to stay baby girl, because that's, that's the only option, you know? But if it's because you like connecting with humans, you need to say, okay, what do I like about it? Or if it's because you love exercise physiology, right? Then you have to say, okay, what do I like about it? Like what makes me tick? And for me, it was, I could change the way that people see themselves within their own body. Right. And I can do that outside of collegiate. Um, And I miss the kids every day. And I still like, I'm doing really good right now because the strength coach network just doesn't need, you know, my emotional trauma. Right. But, 
Um, but like, I still will be like driving and like, you know, it's, it's always like the songs that came on in the weight room, right? Like a little baby song came on the other day, freaking little baby. And I was just like, just miss my kids, you know, like, so, so it's still there, right? It's still there. It still sucks. And I appreciate you saying that, you know, I've, I've handled it well, but I think, um, I think it's tough. So I think anybody that, um, you know, is looking to leave, like you need to understand that if your exit doesn't look like how you perceived my exit, um, it, it shouldn't because my exit was nothing like that. It was emotional. It was tough. I struggle with it. I struggle with my identity. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. I'll, I'll echo that because, you know, I've recently gotten out too, and it, it is hard, especially when, like you said, like I, I woke up a couple times from, <clears throat> I go to bed fucking stupid early. Like, thank God Megan doesn't care that I'm like, all right, it's seven 45 or eight o'clock. I'm going to bed. Like, thank God for that. So anyways, the kids, if they sent me a text, it's already late at night. So I would wake up and read it in the morning, but being like, Hey coach, um, you know, this agent's reaching out to me about training here. I know nothing. They have another strength coach in them for the ask me or like, Hey coach, I know you had all my data. Cause you were a data freak. Like, can you send like, so when they would just reach out to you and say things like that, like, you're right, it does. And it makes you like, it's that hit of heroin where you're like, fuck, I'll go right back. Like, I'll jump back in. Like, the kids need me. Like, and you'll just want to go right back into it, no? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's tough. And, like, I'm still, I'm still uh, proximity-wise close to Penn State. So Ooh, yeah. I think that's good because I they will have to kick me out of the gymnastics meets this year. I'll tell you what, I'm number one fan. Sorry about it. Sorry about their luck. Um, but so so that's great for me, but it, it really is. It's And I think that, you know, kind of how you're saying that you're similar to me as a coach because I, I don't think that everybody would say that. I don't think that every coach would say that. But the way that like the athletes just have me wrapped around their finger where they could text me and they'd just be like, miss you coach. And I'd be just crying in the club, you know? Um, so it's, you know, and, and that's what we love about it, right. Is that connection piece. So you have, um, you've translated that into working with other coaches and improving the profession. And you just yeah. have a love for what this profession could be. Um, and, and that's how you've made that exit. Right. Um, and I think it's okay to spend a while figuring that out and I'm still figuring that out and I'm sure you are too. Right. What does the rest of your life look without collegiate? Cause like you said, I'll literally have days. I was like folding one of my Penn state shirts the other day and I was like, I'm going to go, I'm fucking going back. <laughs> Whether they hired me back I'm or not, they need an I'm intern. volunteer intern. I'm fucking going back. You thought I was poor before. Holy shit. You know, like I, I like literally, I, it's, it's, I'm insane. Um, but you know, you know, like you get it, right. Yeah. You get it. So what would be your piece of advice to a young aspiring strength and conditioning coach listening to this right now? Out of all of the things, um, mm -hmm. my the next two questions, it's going to be an established strength coach and then a head strength coach. So what would you say to somebody that's just getting started, whether they just got their first job or they're a GA? Um, I would say, um, gosh, that's a really hard question. Um, somebody who's just getting started, I would say, um, just 
enjoy everything for what it is and don't lose yourself in the process. Um, not everything is about the better logo, the better job, the better, um, you know, the office to yourself or the better basketball program or any of that, right? Um, you do what you do because you love coming to work every day and you love seeing these kids and you love making them better, or at least you should. If you don't, get out. We're done with you. Um, but, <laughs> but <laughs> you asked my honest opinion. Um, but don't, you know, don't, don't lose yourself within it, right? Enjoy the day to day. Like those are the things that you're going to be thankful for when you look back on your career and strength and conditioning, no matter how long it is, like cultivate the relationships, take the time to get to know your athletes, um, and enjoy, enjoy the process, enjoy being an intern, enjoy being a GA, enjoy being somebody's assistant, like enjoy the profession because at its core, I think it is one of the most wonderful things that you can do with your time. Fucking that'll preach neck. What would you say then to somebody who's established? They've been around for a while. They're not ahead, but they're, you know, an established strength and conditioning coach three, four, five years into it. Um, I would say it's okay that it's fucking difficult. And the only way that the profession is going to get better is if we talk about it, right? If we talk about the things that need to improve, um, you know, I was happy that so many people reached out to me, but I was disappointed because it means that we're not having these conversations where we need to be having them. Um, and no matter, you know, what your department looks like, if you can't look at your coworker and say, Hey man, this shit is hard. We work all the time. I'm tired. You know, I'm emotionally spent. My mental health isn't where it needs to be. If you can't look around at those people, um, and say that, then we need to do better as a profession. So talk about it. Right. Um, and ask for, ask for things that will make your day-to-day -day better. Ask for support from your director, from your coworkers. Ask for, you know, the funding that you think you need for the athletes. Always, um, you know, advocate for yourself and, and for your athletes. And don't, um, don't shy away from that because, like I said, you're looking for the next logo or the next team or the, you know, um, be, on, be on the right side of the profession for sure. How about somebody that's a director, whether it's assistant AD, but, or just they're running the department, what would you, would be your advice to them? Um, I think check in with your people, um, check in with your coaches, uh, under, you know, and, and advocate for them. If your department, you know, your department is your team, right. In that sense. And we're all coaches and we're all protective of our team. Um, and there's a lot of bullshit out there, whether it's from the department or strength or, you know, other strength coaches or other, you know, support staff or, you know, in my experience, especially sport coaches, right? There's a lot of shit that can happen in the collegiate landscape that you can support your team through and that you can protect them from. And so you need to be checking in. Um, and you need to realize that even though like you have your own athletes, you have your own teams, like you are the leader of a department and you need to a bring cohesion to that department in some way. Um, and you need to make sure that everybody feels like, like they're part of something like they're supported. Cause that's what we want in a workplace. Right. Um, so yeah. All right. Next couple of questions, a little bit more rapid fire, not as heavy. Okay. What is your favorite movie? 
These are these are new questions that we're adding to the show. So you're the you're the pilot with all of them. So fuck, I'm not a red flag. I'm I'm not a movie person. Um, That's fine. Fuck. If you had to say what would be your favorite movie if you had to come on, get something. I mean, I'm like a Harry Potter gal, so I guess we there could go, go with one of those. I think the fourth one is probably my favorite, a little Goblet of Fire action. Harry Potter. Never gal. seen it, so like, okay, you're yeah, inspiring me psychopath. now to actually want to <laughs> listen. That's just one of the many reasons as to why I am. Yeah, no, we'll get to next those question. Later. If you were a food, what would it be? I would be a croissant, obviously. <laughs> croissant, like really? Just... I would... Uh, listen, I, I'm not. I'm not shit. Like I'm just surprised. Like obviously, for, like, I thought it'd be like a full meal. Okay, uh, animal. Well, if I you're going to be. An... Okay. Oh, let's talk about the croissant. What? What? Well, I'm just. I like. I did like because it pairs well with coffee. A full meal. It pairs well with coffee, right? It does. That's actually a good point. Pairs well with coffee. Um, nothing really else else about it is relevant to my personality. Now that I think about it, um. <laughs> But I, I'm gonna stand by it. I would still, I would be a croissant. Um, good if question. you were an animal, what would you be? Like, mm. what, what's your, like my spirit animal? Sure. Oof. Um. These are hard questions. <laughs> these are harder than the last ones. I had the last ones ready. What would you? What advice would you give professionally? <laughs> get in, get into your feelings. Uh, if you were an animal, what would you be? No fucking clue. Um, a shit. Uh, <laughs> and I'm the first person to do this. Yeah, you're the first person because somebody asked me these questions. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start adding some of these. This in. is so unfair. Um, I think I would be a. Has have you ever had trouble remembering what animals exist on the planet? Because I can't 100%. think of I can't think of any. Are there um, any animals that pair well with coffee? I I can't think of a single animal right now. Um, shit. Uh, <laughs> I would say, um, maybe I would say like maybe like an owl. Ooh. I think that'd be good. Yeah, you're I think that'd be killer. good. Out like kind of, kind of like, kind of like a killer, but and I think this is only in my only like in the last few years. Like before, I was very obvious about it. I think I was like more of like a like a line that was just like in your face, and oh. now like I'm watching, I'm judging, I'll intervene if I need to, um, <laughs> and otherwise I'm napping. Uh, so <laughs> that's awesome. If you were a car, what would you be? If I was a car, what would I be? See, I know, I know cars. Um, if I was a car, what would I be? Uh, these are good questions. What do people say? Wait, what would you be? I said, you I mean, the truck I have, an F-150. Like, okay, so like you you just would be an F-150. I would just be the vehicle that I already have. I, I have my dream vehicle right now. I guess technically if I had to evolve it, I love the GMC Sierra. Okay, um, but what makes you the F-150? That's, see, uh, like you see, just like, like the, the reason car. that I'd be the F-150 is it's like, okay, um, big bed so I can get a, like 
can haul a lot of shit. I like to help okay. people, right? Okay. Um, okay. But at the same time, I have it where it's the big crew cab where I can be with the whole family. I can trans transport people. You can put mm -hmm. the little cover on the back of it. So it's like, uh, not only are you moving and helping people do stuff, but you can move lots of luggage, take a trip, right? It's dependable mm -hmm. in the snow and the sun doesn't matter. I'm going to get the job done. That's why. Wow. That's I told good. you psychopath. Like I had a, I had a full fucking ready to answer for you on that. That was good. What'd you say for animal though? What? Oh, lion. I paused. Cause I was like, fuck, I don't want to say lion, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. Like, yeah, I had to think about it a little bit more. Um, I don't know if we're going, we're going car. I'm thinking, I mean, I've kind of been, I've my, my instinct right? But this is not my final answer. My instinct, because I've been a Wrangler gal my whole life. So my instinct is, is Wrangler, right? But now that I have, I'm a little less, Wranglers are, they're loud and they're, they really are. Have you ever driven in one? Especially if you got the soft top, you just can't hear shit. And that definitely used to be me. 100%. You couldn't hear shit. You couldn't get a word in edgewise. Um, so I would definitely say 20s dress Wrangler, 100%. But now my tastes are a little bit elevated, right? I think, um, I think I, so the, one of the last cars I had, I think was most suiting to my personality. So I had a BMW X4, right? Oh, shit. And it looked, uh, I know as a collegiate strength to coach, quote what Jay, was To quote doing? Drake, you fancy, huh? Oh, Listen, yeah. you're telling me. You're telling me. So I got to pay for my life. So you're telling me. Okay. Um, no, but uh, I thought it was good because um, the car for BMW, like really kind of surprised me. It was like good in all situations. It was a great, like all weather car. Right. It was like bougie on the outside. Right. And then mm -hmm. you got in and it was like kind of funky because I had this like, like red, I had this like burgundy leather interior and shit. You know what I mean? People were like, what the fuck is this? You know? And I think that's how I am, right? I'm a little bougie on the outside. And then once you get to know me, you're like, what is going on in here? You know? Um, <laughs> so I thought it was good, right? So yeah, I would say, I would say the, I would say the BMW uh, X4 is my, my car equivalent. All right. Now, now to what I thought would be the harder questions, but these are apparently going to no, be easy. These are going to be easy. What do you wish people knew about you that they don't know about you? Um, I wish this is a hard question. Um, I think it's, um, people who know me well, um, know me well. Right. So People who are close to me, I think, understand me on a really deep level. But I think that the persona I portray is very, um, like, out there and just kind of in your face and, and things like that. And I think I am that way to a point. Um, but I think it comes from just, like, years of me not wanting people to know how freaking soft I am, right? Um, so I think I wish people understood that, like, above everything i just i am the most aggressive like empath you will ever meet in your life like i just i care about people right i really care and if people are sad i'm sad 
that coach that called me that was crying on FaceTime. I was crying on FaceTime. I'm like, I'm sorry you're having this experience. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like, I, I wish people understood that. And I think that's why, um, uh, coaching has been such, um, an easy and fulfilling thing to me because I think like I feel really deeply, um, and especially like with my athlete, like you could ask anyone if an athlete is crying in my office, I'm crying in my office with the athlete. Like it's, it's game. I'm like, why do you feel this way? You know? So, um, I wish people understood like how deeply I, I really care about people because I think I come off kind of brash and like, I really do just care about like being kind and people, um, you know, having a good experience in, you know, whatever, whatever they do. So I don't think that reads sometimes, but what piece of advice would you give to your old self? Five, 10, what you pick, you pick how long ago? I'm going to pick like early twenties. Um, and I would say, shut the hell up, like stop, like stop talking because you don't know everything. Right. And you can learn so much from listening to people. If you would just shut the hell up. Um, and I think that that is something that people try to tell me eloquently um, over my younger years, but I think people needed to just tell me, shut the hell up. Um, and I think I've grown a lot and I think I, you know, kind of, we talked about the owl thing, but now I sit back and listen a lot more. Um, and I ask a lot of questions, you know, even, um, at the job that I work at now, like there are people that are, have just started their training careers. Right. And I want to learn from them because they know something I don't know. I don't know what it is yet, but the only way I find out is if I shut the hell up. Right. And listen. Um, and so I think I've gotten a lot better at that, but that would be, you know, I, I felt like I had to know everything at a young age. Um, and I think a lot of us feel that in this industry, especially, um, and I just wish I would have listened more and talked less. Right. <clears throat> Second to last question. This is the cheeky midweeky. So what is something cheeky about you? Something cheeky about me. That's just like, like silly, right? Yeah. Like cheeky, you know, like, so if you look up the actual definition is it's, um, you know, irrelevant typically in an endearing way. So like kind of something silly being like, you know, the, the Aussies or the Brits will be like, Oh, he's, you know, having a cheeky pint. I know I shouldn't have this drink in the middle of the day or like, you know what I mean? So what's something cheeky about you that like people should know? Is this the first time you've asked this question? This is. Oh, damn. You're um, again, you're the, I'm like the guinea always. pig for all of this. Fuck um, something cheeky about like what would you what, what type of thing with like a fun fact or like something sure. about yeah your like for me like something yeah. cheeky about me like who man like i something cheeky about me like and i don't i guess i so i i would fall it in the category of like okay something that maybe people don't know about me or it's like uh, a, a quirky fact like i'll cry at a disney movie with my kids fucking crazy right but that's real so yeah, I mean that can't be mine because I already told you I'm an empath and I cried everything. So that can't be mine. Um mine, I I guess cheeky would be like guilty pleasure. How how like right? Like yeah. love to I, I think guess, I, I think something cheeky about me that like a lot of people don't know that I think is like funny when they find out is um I was like a really big like music nerd when I was younger. 
Um, and so I used to, I played the cello for years. Um, and I also like played the, the big one, uh, not the super big one, but it is, it is big. You like sit behind it. Um, and like played the piano and did like the choir stuff Fucking and right, all of that did. stuff. Um, so I think that's funny because it's so kind of counter into like, I've just transformed into like this, like jock, like gym. And I'm like, well, my cello is in the closet. So I'll just, you know, I can get it out and play you something. Um, so I think that's definitely a cheeky fact about me. Um, yeah. All right. Final question. Wearing a hat inside coaching in the weight room with your athletes team issued. Is that unprofessional or not? I think anything to do with hats is fake discipline. And what I mean by that is um, the fact that we view a hat as professional or unprofessional is really funny to me. Um, Hats are not my personal choice, right? But if you cannot maintain your professionalism while wearing a hat, that seems to be a you problem. That doesn't seem to be a hat problem. So I don't know that I care, um, but I know that I'm going to get a lot of shit because some people are going to come on here and be like, I would never wear a hat inside in front of my athletes. That is so disrespectful. Um, and I don't feel that emotionally attached to it. So maybe the wrong person to ask this question to. You were the perfect person to ask that to for your response. Thank you. What's, what's your opinion? Like not even a little bit unprofessional. If it's a team issued hat and you're wearing, like who cares? It's also literal. It's a hat. Like who really cares? Like one of my throwers, Kayla, she fucking lo- like for her, her thing was almost like, it was almost ritualistic. Like she might even turn it a little sideways or backwards. And she's like, okay, now like I really got to lock in on this rep. I don't give a fuck. Do what you got to do. No, I think I, yeah, no, I think, like I said, anything like weird uniform, like, like that's kind of, that's fake discipline to me. Right. You know, I don't know. That's, that's a whole other topic, but I just, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to chat with us. Um, anybody, they know where to continue to follow you. Is there any, any place you want them to be to redirected to or whatnot? Um, I mean, really just on Instagram, um, is where I do the bulk of my kind of communication. I check it the most. So that's, um, at coach J Burke, B-U-R-K-E. Um, and then I would really just encourage people to like, if you haven't already reached out and like, you want somebody to talk to about the profession or, or anything like that, or your experience, um, I love connecting with people in this field right so never be shy to reach out and chat or or just say hey and and make the connection um so yeah 